Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right, faith family, welcome back to the podcast. I'd like to introduce you to Pastor Randall Pelton. Hello. Good been, to see you again. He's been gone for a long time. Yeah, it's been a, uh, a, month, a different month. At least yeah. uh, since you've been sitting here down with me on yeah. the podcast. Mm-hmm. So Went good to have fast. you back. Thanks. Uh, you got a relief from my curveballs, my introductory curveballs. So I've got a, I've got a little one for you. Okay. Just a, uh, you know, thought, thought, I don't know, experiment maybe, or just something to get your juices flowing. Anyway, here you go. Have you ever thought about the fact that bacon is cooked and cookies are baked? Mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. That doesn't make much sense. It does not. Um, and so if you've never thought about that, then you're not like, not like Randy here. He's, I've thought through. about it a lot. Yeah, I have I've tried to figure out how it relates at all to beyond Sunday. And so far it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't at all. But <laughs> I, I, someone, I was confronted with that fact the other day and I thought, wow, it's, it's bad. It is bad. Bad language. Very confusing. It is. I feel bad for kids. All right, so we got a lot of questions that came through, so thank you, uh, and just an encouragement again, if you've got questions for the podcast, uh, please don't hesitate to reach out, and we will get you plugged in and do our best to answer the questions. So, uh, Randy, we've been in this series now for a couple months, it feels like, mm-hmm. and the term ex-evangelicals mm-hmm. has come up. I mentioned it, you mentioned it, and you might have mentioned it two two weeks, three weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, so question in regard to that term ex-evangelical. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, do you think that deconversions are happening at the same rate today as they have in the past? Or is it just the fact that we are more aware of them because of social media, the internet, et cetera? Yeah, uh, there's no doubt we're more aware of them, but... Um because of the access to the information, it's happening faster than it, and than it did before. I'm yeah. not an expert on uh, I'm not an expert on the data, but everything that I'm reading, the amount of books being published, articles being published, post uh, blog posts that are being written, tells me that there is an escalation in it now mm-hmm. that we've not seen, and for reasons that we uh, we probably haven't seen either. So I would say that the uh, the access to information means that I am hearing more about it, mm-hmm. which which means that hearing more about the potential to hear more about people doing this fuels the fire for those folks who are wondering, having their own doubts. Yeah. If I never heard of it, maybe I would keep it to myself. Maybe it would go away. Maybe it wouldn't. But now I can see. All kind, I can read and, and watch all kinds of reports. So mm-hmm. I think that every from, uh, there's no doubt that the publishing world is showing an increase in this activity. Yeah. So you said there's reasons, and you've mentioned access. Um, is, is that one of the things that's kind of been one of the big reasons for people? So, access, internet access, church access. But, but combine that with... Uh, a generation now that um, that is determining everything about themselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
you know, we've got folks now, the air that we breathe is saying that I'm in control of everything, of course, including my own body, my own sexuality. I'm in control of all of that. Mm -hmm. So now you have, uh, you have, you have people coming to the Bible now with a new set of values that are determined. I would say they're determined more by the world than by the church. But then you've got theologians that are really pushing this movement. Mm -hmm. So you've got theologians okay. saying, you know, if you read the Bible carefully, you really are not going to come to the position that evangelicals come to. Yeah. And so that's a, it's a firestorm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you've mentioned that millennials and Gen Zers are maybe the most susceptible to it. Mm -hmm. um, is that uh, in some ways it feels to me like a, a generational response to uh, hypocrisy in the church um, or just a, the air that I've breathed, you know, I'm at the upper end of that mm -hmm. millennial you generation. Are. That's right. And so the air that I've breathed for 37 years now has been, um, I'm, I'm leery of people and things mm -hmm. and I'm going to ask questions. And I mentioned two weeks ago in my sermon, how I have deconstructed, but mm -hmm. in a healthy way. And, um, and part of it's because I, I, just want answers and I'm, sure. I'm curious. Yeah. And I want questions. So some of that's my personality, my bent, mm -hmm. but maybe some of it's too, just the, the world I've grown up in. I think it's both. You and I talked about this, this tendency way, way back in the early years when we started mm -hmm. working together. And, and, and I remember saying to you, <laughs> you know, I yeah. remember saying, you know, at some point uh, the questions have to be turned into uh, some type of disciple making momentum. Mm -hmm. It's good. And, and so let me just say, it's not just the insincerity that we felt. Mm -hmm. It's combined with, with a lot of churches, sadly, they don't even ask good questions and they don't want good questions being asked. It's yeah. a threat to mm -hmm. truth. Mm -hmm. I would rather say there is no threat to truth except error. So let's, let's talk about the truth. And let's talk about the truth with respect to the type of error that the New Testament, for instance, talks about a lot. Mm -hmm. So when someone says, wow, I'm surprised by what's happening, I say, no, let's, st let's step back for a minute. Read the, let's read the end of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. It's not a surprise. And, and just think about this, too. Uh, and I know we're, we're still not too much practicality for Beyond Sunday. But remember, one of the reasons why we're on guard against um, unauthorized teaching seeping, uh, creeping into the church is because we know that Jude is the next to the last book of the Bible. So think about its placement in the canon. Mm -hmm. It's next to the last book. There's a reason why ancient folks said, let's put that there because yeah. of the kind of message that it has. And we know from other books, and I, I was just uh, you know reading through the Bible. So first mm -hmm. and second Peter are the books that, that quote or Jude and Peter quote the same material. Yeah. So it's very interesting that if you read Peter, Peter's going to talk about what's, what, what it's going to be like as we get nearer and nearer mm -hmm. to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude is doing the same thing. So it mm -hmm. shouldn't surprise us that we have to, as, uh, as the scripture says here, I've got that text in Jude uh, early on in the book. Uh, you know, part of Beyond Sunday is uh, this aspect of contending for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. The very fact that we have to fight for the faith means that something's going on in our day that is threatening that faith. Mm -hmm. And by the way, let me just say this in case I forget. It's not until the end of the letter that you discover what you're supposed to do beyond Sunday. 
It's really mm-hmm. toward the end. Yeah. I quoted from it at the end of the service on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So uh, you do have uh, you do have a little letter that is um, it's it's really really important because there's so much access to uh, mm-hmm. to teaching that is not authorized. Yeah. So here's a beyond Sunday question. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some of your reading and even experience, what would you say are some of the top things that we should be looking out for? Some of the things that in our current day, mm-hmm. 2021, yeah. uh, what are the things that Calvary Bible Church needs to be yeah. on alert? All right. So let me give you the, the I, I think it's the top one. I am continuing to read material that leaves the church out of a person's sanctification, their growth in Christ. Mm-hmm. I am just, I am appalled by this, that, that this happened. So the, I, the number one thing I would say is... Mm-hmm. Commit yourself to a local body. Uh, some of you uh, watching, if you're, if you're watching this and you're not part of our faith family, I understand that. I would say the number one thing is commit yourself to a local, a local church mm-hmm. that is biblical. Commit yourself to that because that is the safest of the uh, no risk free zones. Yeah. Remember, we talked about that. There's no yeah. such place. There's no mm-hmm. place we can go where there's no risk. I'm I'm a threat. Uh, he's a threat. So I would say the very number one thing is affirm, reaffirm, strengthen your belief in the local church's position in your life. Mm-hmm. That's number one. Because every single voice that you'll hear apart from this place is mm-hmm. not authorized to watch over your soul. Now, what do you think happens to a, a parishioner who says, you know what? I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to listen to such and such teaching and I I really like that teaching better. It's almost impossible to remain uh tied connected tied tightly to the place that's shepherding your soul. It's almost impossible and the uh, I mean the chances to do this are endless. Oh yeah. To lose your attachment to the very institution that God says, I've put you in a faith family because it's the only place where your soul is preserved. Mm-hmm. And that's for, like from First Timothy 4, for instance, 16 and following. Yeah. And, and well, and I think that's a good example because one, uh, there's the danger of not getting connected to a church and engaged and committed yeah. there. But then the, the danger, even if you're in a church, is really not being engaged committed yeah, uh sure. a, a good understanding of the shepherding of, of the souls of the of the church mm-hmm. um because in a in a large church or a small church mm-hmm. no matter the size mm-hmm. or the the virtual church you know that was a question too like what are yeah. some of these dangers yeah. for for different sized churches yeah and that would be one across the board um to you know that's my that's my church mm. but it's really just like a side piece in someone's life. It doesn't have oh, the yeah. priority that, that it maybe has other, you know, the other things in their life that it uh, does have. Oh yeah. And one of the huge churches in the area, I remember one of the pastors saying to me one day, we were together for a little bit and he said, you know, the bad thing about us is we're a revolving door. Mm-hmm. We've got people coming in and going out all the time and mm-hmm. we just have a hard time getting connected. Yeah. So it's every size. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, that was the top thing to look out for. No Anything doubt, for else number, to add? Uh, no doubt, number one is watch the pull away from the place that is designed to save your soul. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the uh, 
That language, by the way, if you blinked at that language, that language is coming from 1 Timothy 4. Mm -hmm. So that's guard against that because according to what I'm reading in Jude, what happens is an, un an unauthorized teacher comes in and says, hey, why don't you follow my teaching? I'm really not right. a part of the group anymore. I'm not part of the faith family. I'm actually, I've got an agenda. I've got a new message for you. I think you'll like it. Let's do that. Mm -hmm. That's what happens. So. Yeah. Um, so the second thing, or do you have a second thing to look out for? Uh, so the, the second thing would be uh, watch the way in which these folks are reading their Bible. Um, I know I've said this before, but remember, when a person says something like this, that um, I think the evangelicals are wrong in believing that there's an eternal hell. And the reason that they say that is because an eternal hell offends their sensibilities. Mm -hmm. That means that their sensibilities are the authority, not what the Bible says. So yeah. watch, for the way in pitch, uh, watch for the way in which people read the Bible and reason their way to their interpretation. And I, I would say watch them, but watch us too. How yeah. do you read the Bible? And do you read it and allow God to speak to you knowing that he's God? Or do you expect God to make sense to your sensibilities? Mm -hmm. And that's a danger. And so what I'm reading, uh, I'm reading this all the time where people are saying, no, I don't believe this is, you know, I don't believe that a, that a loving God would do that. Well, why don't you believe that? Mm -hmm. Well, because, and it always, the because is always anthropological. It was always something to do with the psyche of humanity, yeah. not the character of God revealed in scripture. Correct. Yeah. Okay, good. So that leads me to another question here. Um, you mentioned on Sunday that Christians today are having a hard time accepting judgment, the judgment of God. And so this questioner says, mm -hmm. I read this morning in Gentle and Lowly, um, by Dane Ortland, which mm, great. everybody says that is such a huge book. Yeah, Rebecca, book. Rebecca got through it. I have mm, not. Mm. Um, but anyway, a section about the same topic. He says this, the reason we feel as if divine wrath can be easily overstated is that we do not feel the true weight of sin. And I thought this is insightful here. If we saw with deeper clarity just how insidious and pervasive and revolting sin mm. is, um, then we would know that human evil calls for an intensity of judgment of divine proportion. So now the question is, do you agree with that perspective? And if so, how do we in the church weigh the balance of seeing our the wickedness of our sin and also the greatness of God? Wow, that's a great... Uh, okay, thank you for doing that. So I, I agree wholeheartedly with that with that estimate. Remember on Sunday, I said, be careful of taking figurative language, fiery judgment in hell forever and saying, because mm -hmm. it's figurative language, let's lessen it. Mm -hmm. I would, as I said, I do not think a human being can understand the depth of offense against our creator. Yeah. So I, I, I think that's what uh, Orland is saying there. Mm -hmm. If it was Dane Orland. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what he's saying. I agree wholeheartedly with that, but, but the, you know, the reason why, one of the reasons why we always end with that gospel slide is because the judgment of God is always balanced. Uh, the other side of the judgment of God is the mercy of God that we see in Christ. Mm -hmm. So if I heard that question correctly or that comment correctly, then what we want to do is we want to always see judgment on Christ, not us by mm -hmm. faith, and that leads to incredible affection for, for God. 
Mm-hmm. That's 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 the that's what you do. The judgment of God is terrible. The mercy of God is so great. Uh, I have a lot to I have a lot to be thankful for today for God. I can't be. There's nothing that I mean. There's no way to be disappointed with Him, to be angry with Him when I understand His mercy. Yeah. I might not understand judgment and mm-hmm. death and, uh, you know, uh, like the passing away of Steve Wickers and all. I may not understand any of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but the mercy of God is great. Yeah. Much to be thankful for. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just want to, you Go know, ahead. I just want to say any judgment text that you see in the Old Testament or the New Testament, any judgment text, remember the reason why we read it in the church is because that is mitigated. Uh, by the gospel, Jesus Christ died to pay my uh, to be punished to be judged mm-hmm. for my sins, and so every judgment text leads me to grace and leads me to Christ and leads me to worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think the question and the quote from from that book just to me highlights how I don't know just limited my view of God's holiness his yeah. value his beauty how could we know and I, and a part of it's because of probably my just limited capacity in humanity my human brain but but also just the distractions the things other things that capture my attention mm. and my you know the glittering things that capture my eye and um my inability to really see god as clearly as i could you know i just think about um you know god shielding you know, Moses and, um, you know, I don't know. So, yeah, if somebody said the punishment fits the crime, uh, I don't know what you think of that. The punishment fits the crime. What in the world is the punishment that should match my crime against a holy God who created me and I turned against him? Yeah. And I know, you know, it was my forefathers who did it. But birth sin, conception sin locks me into, mm-hmm. I am an offense to a holy God, almighty God. How do you measure that crime and match the judgment? It's worse than death. You know what I mean? Like I, yes. the, the crime against yeah. a, a, a ruler of any yeah, kind, they're yes. going to put that person out. Yep. They're going to put him to death. And, you know, that's just a human ruler. Now we're talking about a divine ruler who we've offended. There's got to be a consequence worse than just this simple death. Because in a lot of ways, death in this world is not a big deal. Um, no, and you got Jude giving us giving us information uh, kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. And later on, you've got more of the same. I mean, Jude gives us language that captures judgment. For whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. And it's just, uh, it's bad. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. I thought your question, uh, or I thought your comment about how to read that kind of um, figurative language was good, though, uh, just in how we're reading, how we're reading the Bible. Um, And yeah, there's no way that our minds can wrap ourselves around it. And so that's the best way that God communicates to us. So as a side note, I thought that was, Yeah. yeah, that was helpful. Um, all right. One last question. Yeah. We're uh, getting Almost close to the there. end of our yes, time, yeah. but here it is. Uh, so any thoughts on why God would allow Cain to live despite his great sin and seem to specifically desire that he continued living? Now he puts the mark on him and sends him off so that he's 
he's spared in some ways. Uh, but for Korah, he's swallowed into the earth mm-hmm. soon after his mm-hmm. sin. So um, I don't know where the application is going to be in that question, but I'm going to let sure. you answer it and we'll, yeah. we'll go. Yeah, so let me let me just say I don't understand why he would do one in, in one, one way, one the other way. Yeah. Um, but God set in motion redemptive history. And part of that redemptive history at times is letting sinful people propagate on the earth mm-hmm. to create this am- amazing struggle that the church is in. Sometimes, however, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, like Ananias and Sapphira, sometimes God steps in and says, I want you to watch this happen so that you will be afraid. He also sadly does mm-hmm. this when leaders like us commit sins yeah. and don't stop. And it he says, you, you, you do mm-hmm. it publicly so that all may fear. Mm-hmm. That's my best you know, attempt at a, a really uh, tough question. But um, Okay, so that was that's helpful. And I think, yeah, that's exactly where my mind went to. I don't know why God responds the way he does mm. to different people. Some evil he allows to continue and wicked people, they prosper and others they don't. And their ways are kind of known and, and exposed and, and they suffer for it. Um, and I, I also think, though, just to my last thought about Cain and that story mm-hmm. is the the mercy that God showed him, like the patience. And, you know, I was reading through that that little it's like 16 verses. Yeah. There's so much there, though. And when he says to Cain, if you would just do, just well, do well, just do well. And then. The next thing that happens in that short little narrative is that he goes goes after his brother. His brother. He doesn't do well. Um, but God, he, he gives him that opportunity after the sacrifice. Um, so there's there's God's extreme mercy. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, we've got a God that's balanced out and he's, he's to be feared. Um, his judgment is terrible and his hmm. mercy is terrific. That doesn't sound real clear. It's not smooth. Doesn't but, tell. but it's enough to tell us, stay in this most holy faith. Stay in the faith. Mm-hmm. Do it in the community of a local church that's biblical. And then be a part of the disciple-making mission. At the end of this little letter, some of it says in verse 23, for instance, mm-hmm. save others by snatching them out of the fire. Mm-hmm. And then to others, show mercy with yeah. fear. Mm-hmm. So some great stuff toward the end. We're not quite there yet. Just remember that in the first century, you know, this little letter would have been read in its entirety in a church service and they would yeah. have stuck around and just talked about it mm-hmm. and taught it a little bit. And for us, that's the problem of going verses by, you know, verse by verse through these books. Uh, we really need to see the whole, uh, to see some of the application that's coming. But, um, you know, uh, God has us on alert with uh, the book of Jude. Yeah, yeah. All right. So my quick recap here is don't don't leave the church. Be be on alert for those messages that say, ah, oh, you can do it on your own, or those little things that might be in our lives, you know, just eroding away at someone's connection to mm-hmm. the local body. Yeah. And then to be on the lookout for the way that people read the Bible, the way they handle the Bible, their view of it. Um, that yeah, be what's a... their rationale for reading it the way they do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. okay, good things to think good about. To see you again. All right, yeah. I love seeing you. I know you do. See you a lot. I know you do. Too much. God bless you. More than bless one you. day a week. Bless your heart. Two days a week. Bless your heart.
All right. Bless my heart. Bless your heart. Have a great week. We love you guys. And we'll see you, Lord willing, on Sunday or Wednesday. All right. Bye. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday.